It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm, of course, Sri one of the aforementioned CPG guys, just back from the Grammys in Vegas, where I was actually doing store tours, not walking a red carpet, and the rest of the fam was. I got to be the Uber driver for the night night ride back to Los Angeles. My co-host and friend, of course, is the VP of Partner Strategy and David Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform, as we together endeavor to explore consumer engagement in a digitally driven world. Welcome the man himself, sometimes known as 007, but better known as Mr. Bond. How are you, sir? Hey, Shri, I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, gearing up for baseball season, here it is upon us. Yanks are 2-0 and in first place undefeated. Yeah, I see you wearing your baseball swag. That's okay. 
That's okay. But I'm looking forward to seeing some games with you in short order. I'll tell you, Shree, I'm really excited about today's topic because I have been consumed over the last couple of years with the power of things like natural language processing and how that feeds into AI. So I am champing at the bit to speak with our guest today because what 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 this is is really game-changing in terms of both business intelligence and the ability to activate and identify propensities, triggers, signals, call them what you will, that'll help brands and retailers win. So can't wait to get to our guest today. No doubt, Peter, because AI continues to be one of the hottest words in the CPG industry. I would tell you it's more of a buzzword. So our guest, what we're going to do is decompose it from a buzzword to an everyday word. That's the goal of today's show. But at the time of this recording, you know, you and I are reveling in the fact that we're playing ball. The Yanks are 2-0, Dodgers though aren't 2-0, and uh, I know we got 160 games left, so it's a little early to revel, but I'm wearing ALCS 2010 because I can't remember when the Yankees got to the ALCS last it's been a long, it's been a hot minute, Shree. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, I'm reveling in the past. That's the best I got. And I keep saying 27 championships. That's the best I got. Hopefully, it's a better season. But thank you, Peter. Let me remind our audience that all of our content, close to 190-plus episodes, may be found by visiting cpgguys.com on a browser. If you aren't following us on LinkedIn, enter CPG Guys in the search box. And when you get to our page, all you got to do is click the blue plus follow button. The blue plus button, follow. That easy. That way you'll see all of the content we produce. And of course, we don't charge for our content. It's totally free. And did you know we are in partnership with Sad Alter Next Stop, the network of executive women now rebranded. And in the middle of every Wednesday podcast episode is in an Easter egg with a measure with a message from Next Stop. Download, tune in, listen. Special thank you to all of you for 11.7K followers and growing. Of course, we've launched a second podcast now called the FMCG Guys which takes the CPG Guys format of omnichannel digital exploration across the Atlantic to the European market. Our friends Efrain and Daniel are the hosts based in Europe, and we'll be talking with FMCG retail thought leaders about the transformation happening, of course, on the other side of the Atlantic. And now on to today's episode. <clears throat> Today, of course, Peter and I looking forward to a discussion on <clears throat> one of the hottest topics, as I claimed, in the CPG industry and retail, a buzzword to many. But we're going to demystify it, as promised, right here on the CPG Guys and move it to practical application in our everyday life on our jobs. Therefore, this episode is in partnership with none other than the AI gurus themselves. NWO.AI, here's the mission statement, powerful big. COVID-19 has created a new social, political, and economic world order, one that is increasingly driven by cultural narratives and online discourse. NWO's bleeding-edge technology enables clients to surface the fears, motivations, and demand drivers underlying various signals, providing them with unprecedented access to the why behind a narrative, aka any statement you put out, let's get to the bottom of it and decompose the why. Of course, NWO's platform is already used by several Fortune 500 brands during the Q&A session of this podcast, we'll get to who, to empower key resource allocation decisions. Bottom line, they identify consumer signals before they become exponential. NWO.AI provides unparalleled AI-enabled consumer intelligence by unraveling the human narrative. Welcome to the episode, President and CEO, Miroslav Dimitrov, a.k.a. Miro. Miro, how are you? 
Welcome to the CPG, guys. Um, thank you, Shreem Peter. I'm super happy to to be here today. Um, and I must say that I'm a, I'm a huge fan um, of your podcast. I've been following this almost on a on a weekly basis, and, and now I'm also very happy to hear that you guys are expanding also to Europe, which where is where I'm originally from. Welcome. Miro, before we get to the questions, I'd love to know the origin of your company name. How did it become nwo.ain? Would you please tell us where online audience can learn more about nwo.ai and then what's your role there? Of course. Um, now, it's, it, there is a bit of a funny story behind. Um, so NWO stands for New World Oracle. Um, that, of course, you know, it's, it's kind of a game of words of basically what is it that we do, right? So we, we take, as, uh, as you mentioned, we take uh, massive amounts of external data and we basically build uh, predictive signals that our customers use. Um, if you want to learn more about us, uh, absolutely, you can go to our uh, website page. It's nwo.ai. Um, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, um, The Inflection Point where we're sharing the hottest trends and signals across various different industries. Um, just go to the website, uh, scroll all the way to the bottom, and then uh, click, sub click subscribe. Uh, of course, uh, you can also follow us on, on LinkedIn. Miro, thank you so much for that. We will, of course, include hyperlinks to your LinkedIn page, the nwo.ai site, and LinkedIn pages in our digital episode liner notes for those looking. Let's jump right in, Miro, and I'm going to go with the first one, and it's about your career. So I looked up your career, I trolled you on LinkedIn to be fair. And what a career you've had from early pharma to a pretty solid SAP foundation to now squarely in scaling AI for business. Take us through the journey of how you got to pharma, SAP expertise and done now of course in AI and how you got there and what does being a member of the Forbes Business Council mean to you? That's um that's a great question. So looking backwards, I would say that it was it was all connected somehow. Although of course I didn't knew it at the time. Um, so I'm an economist by by education, and so from the very first day of of my experience in the in the pharma industry, I would I had the chance to basically work on a business transformation um, project, which was kind of central to to the company and to the future. Um, and this really, to to a large extent, um, actually shaped my my career forward. Um, so as part of this transformation, we actually had to select. Um, the right um, solution in terms of like software, uh, the right vendors and partners to help us um, implement basically and realize the company vision. And this is really what led me to to later join the, the software sector. I was initially a business application consultant, so kind of merging the business world and the technology worlds and being really the translator. Um, and I started working in the ecosystem of SAP for some of their pa partners. And I was really fascinated at that time with, with really the possibilities and complexities that these projects offer. Um, so you get to know, of course, intimate details about about the, the company's um, core business processes, but also where, where they want to go, right? And then you get to play an active part in actually realizing this. Uh, and so about a dozen projects and, and many, many flight hours later, um, I received an offer to join SAP directly. Um, and I was really fascinated about that. It's uh, it's really a fantastic company where where I've had pretty much every opportunity I wanted to, to grow and develop professionally. Um, so in the last few years, um, I was part of the uh, amazing SAP IO team, which was driving the open innovation activities for, for SAP. And uh, this is where what led me to, to relocate to Berlin, where I spent about uh, three years. And this is also how I finally decided to kind of jump into the entrepreneurial world and, and then uh, joined NWO later on. Um, so, you know, throughout my career, I would say that I've been really passionate about creating something um, totally new, right? That that hasn't been um, mass adopted, and it's always it has always been in the intersection of of consumer industries, 
um, and of course, again, making sense of the, the available um, um, data, but also tapping into new uh, different sources and again, translating that back into the business. Um, and to the second part of your question, um, yes, I got the opportunity to be uh, invited to, to join the Forbes Business Council. Um, I think it's a really great uh, professional network. It's it's invite only, um, but you know, once you're in, you, you get the opportunity to discuss basically with with your peers uh, various different topics, right? So, for example, if you think about um, you know topics such as like how to build a high-performance high, uh, um, high sales team, for example, right? You might think that this is, let's say, uh, core or, or um, very interesting only, let's say, for the SaaS industry. But in fact, this is this is across the industries. And you can basically learn from different people, different organizations, different industries, and apply um, these best practices. So I would highly recommend it if, if your audience can. I, I found a lot of value in it. Speaking of Berlin, one of my favorite restaurants in the world is in Berlin. And I wonder if you've been there. It's called Eins 44 in English. That would be 144, southeast side of Berlin. Have you been? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's the only place you can find yellow beetroot. I mean, Berlin really opened my my senses to the to the culinary world. To be honest, um, there are so many great places there, and you know, I'm looking forward to going there this summer as well. Hey, Miro, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you. Glad to speak with you again. I haven't been invited to join the Forbes Council yet, but I did get invited to apply for a visa card yesterday in the mail. It looked very exclusive. I don't know. I don't know if it's Shri. I don't think it's the same kind of level, is it? Probably not. Hey, listen, want to know a little bit more about uh, your role specifically at NWO.ai. I love the title Chief Operating Officer because that's the person that keeps the company going. CEO is working about investment, outward focused. So I'd love to know in your role, what is it that you task yourself with doing every day? How do you build partnerships internally with different departments? And even how do you work externally, clients or other capabilities, companies that fold into what you're trying to offer your clients? I work with with all teams uh, in our company, as, as, you, as you mentioned, right? So basically the role kind of um, encompasses you know, you being um, aware of pretty much everything that is happening. Um, of course, you know, solving problems, you know, empowering your team. I'm right now um, focused uh, on building our sales, marketing and customer success teams, um, as well as, of course, working closely with our, our tech and data teams on, on our product roadmap. Um, so this is kind of, uh, it's, it's, I would say, very, very vast, right? This is where I spend most of my time. And of course, you know, speaking with customers, understanding better how we can we can serve them, you know, what are the challenges that they're facing when, when it comes to, again, incorporating these type of uh, signals into their business. On the partnership side, uh, we are partnering with uh, pretty much large enterprise software vendors and, and various data providers, um, given, given the product and solution focus that we have. Um, to give you an example, we're an industry cloud partner for, for SAP, uh, for specifically for the CPG industry, uh, but also uh, for banking and insurance. And generally, I would say that's, uh, you know, we're vendor agnostic and, and we can connect with pretty much any data warehouse or business applications that our clients are using. And again, on the partnership side, this is where most of my time is spent really identifying, okay, which are the right partners um, for us. But of course, at the intersection of, okay, what kind of applications and software uh, are our customers mostly using, right? So this is what I'm kind of doing in my day to day. Miroslav, when you say identifying applications that your clients are using, how do you go about that process? 
I mean, to be honest, I, I use um, a lot of the knowledge that I already have from my from my previous jobs and experience, right? Um, so, for example, if you're thinking about, again, incorporating any type of data into your business, right? There, there are various different ways, but, you know, if you really want to do it right, uh, you first want to understand, or I first like to understand, like, what is what is the data architecture of the company? For example, do you already, have you already connected your, for example, CRM and sales systems and ERP systems into a data warehouse, right, where, where you can easily pull information? Um, and, you know, should we connect to the data warehouse directly and then augment this data? Or are you in the beginning of your journey where you're like, okay, look, I have a lot of data, but it's, in, you know, not connected really. So it's better for me to start, let's say, using it as a more of an end user directly, your platform. And only then I will think about connecting this into into the business application. So I think this is really the, the kind of the, the, the start, like the fundamental question that we always ask. Miroslav, I've always felt that, you know, that if, People really did what you just said, which is look across the data spectrums that they use on a day-to-day basis, just across the entire enterprise, whether it be supply chain, sales, marketing, finance, everybody's using, while many, many of those data sets are an intersection, many are not. But if a company looks at all those data sets, it's mind-boggling what AI can do for them to bring those things together, to have one unanimous data set that people make decisions out of. So let's get into what we promised for our audience today, which is today AI is still largely a buzzword for most senior executives. They look at AI and they look at IT to be the leaders to decompose what that word means. Whereas AI should be in our everyday lives automatically as a capability, not necessarily as a tool or anything of that sort. So decompose for us, Miro, what is AI? How does it apply to the CPG industry and any examples that are top of mind for you? Yeah, I think there, of course, there are so many possibilities and, and of course, challenges that you need to overcome. But I, I probably would would like to start with a couple of examples, which um, I think you would also find very, very interesting, right? So if you think about, you mentioned, okay, you would like to analyze um, sales and marketing data, right? So the very first example that comes to mind is, okay, if you're a retailer, right? And, or even if you're a CPG brand, right? Using AI to analyze uh, your historical sales data would give you a lot of, um, it will give you better ability to forecast and predict on on shelf availability, right? So that's kind of you know the the first example. And from from there, there are plenty of companies who are working on, for example, helping you answer which product should be on which shelf where, right? So that's kind of the first thing, right? We're talking about massive amounts of data you just can't crunch anymore um, uh, manually, right? Um, and we're talking both in store and online, right? So this is this is applicable across the board. Then another example could be that you know if you're again a CPG now. You can use um, AI to actually uh, improve your overall demand forecasting, again, by being able to connect different disparate data sources, right, and applying advanced algorithms on top of that. Or if if you uh, are thinking about, okay, what kind of products should I be uh, positioning um, to, to my uh, retailer, right, or to the retail partners, it, you know, this is, again, something that's say more, more standard now in the industry, it's called intelligent product recommendations. Like big companies are trying to develop this in-house. There are many like tier two, tier three, who are first, you know, looking for off-the-shelf solutions. But essentially, all of these applications are really being powered um, by, by, by machine learning and AI, right? So that's, that's really the key differentiator in, in this. And I think there is so much potential in that field. Um, and, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. Right now, there are very few companies that I would say really utilize the vast information available to its fullest, right? Uh, which I think, first of all, it's an amazing opportunity. And, and then, you know, to go to the second piece of it, we were just now sharing examples of the data that kind of resides within your company walls, right? We, we haven't even touched upon everything else that you can actually use to, to, to go to the next level. 
Miro, before Peter gets to the next question, there's one thing that came to top of mind as you were speaking, which is logically, I would think Wall Street, they would be one of the biggest beneficiaries as they analyze companies. I don't know if you know the answer to the question, Miro, but I thought I'll throw it out there. Why is this not like a routine word at Wall Street? Why do they not use AI across the board for this purpose? You know, Sri, I'm happy you asked that because, in fact, that that's one of the inspirations of the creation of of this company, right? So, two of our founders they were um, actually working in in hedge funds. So, this is how the idea came, right? Because most of the hedge funds, um, the really good ones, they're using alternative data sources for the last decade, right? Uh, like from literally scraping your your um, company, hiring uh, um, job postings, and you know, like literally what you write in these job postings to understand, okay, where is actually the company going? Right. So if you all of a sudden try to hire like 10 NLP um, engineers, for example, you maybe are developing a knowledge graph. Right. So this gives a lot of information to to, to funds like these. Right. Uh, to identify uh, long short strategies. So they are um, using this. And, and basically the mission of our company is to give the same level of intelligence to to brands and CPG companies. Let's get to the core value proposition that NWO is offering to the marketplace. My background is in managing vast amounts of big data, pri primarily human-generated data. And that comes with a need for real expertise because there's a lot of data that can be generated. But what I hear you talking about in terms of signals is about signals that matter more than just any signal because there's a lot of things that I can see consumers doing. But understanding how those signals turn into propensity to take action is really where the power is. So why don't you walk us, with that in mind, why don't you walk us through kind of what are the major offerings that NWO has built with AI that's going to dramatically improve, particularly the operations of consumer packaged goods companies? Yeah, happy to do that. Um, so again, in, in, in a nutshell, right, what we do is we, we help our clients identify consumer signals before they become exponential, right? And I think this is really the important part. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the slightly longer answer is that, you know, we're, we're analyzing billions of data points across the most diverse data sources on, on, on the market to really spot and, and then quantify these signals. Because as you mentioned, Peter, it's, it's one thing to have like just a lot of data, which, which means, of course, a lot of noise. It's another thing to have, you know, to be able to identify what are the right data sources that would give you or that could serve as the best leading predictors, for example, uh, for, for consumer demand, right? And then, then basically putting this into context, right? Uh, building these signals that you can actually immediately use in your business. Now, this is really um, basically our real differentiator in, 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 in what we're building and what we're doing. Now, some people in the industry would call this strategic foresight, you know, other would call it consumer intelligence. And I would say we're, we're offering a blend between the two, right? Because we're not only taking, for example, data from, let's say, social media, right? We're, we're looking at a, at, a, at a vast majority of different data sources. For example, we would look at scientific literature, at various news, blogs, uh, product reviews, various different e-commerce websites. Right. We would look at, um, you know, like super niche thing, for example, as, as movie scripts for particular industries to really be able to answer questions really in three different time horizons. Because as an executive, you always think about, OK, what is happening right now? What is kind of, you know, right, right ahead of me? Right. Then what is next? Right. Which is basically where most of the company planning spends their, their most of the people in, that are doing planning to spend their time on. Right. But then, you know, if you're, let's say, um, one level up, you're looking at like five years ahead. Like what is really the next big category, let's say, 
um, if you think about like plant-based, a couple of years ago, it was not such a big uh, word, right? Uh, and now it's everywhere, right? Like old milk is eating the plant-based category, for example, right? So what if you could spot that as it grows, right? And and you get, for example, notified that, hey, look, this is actually about to grow exponentially in, in the next, for example, 12 months. And then you can go further and understand, okay, what are actually the drivers of this, right? So that you can incorporate it into your business planning uh, and you can loop all the different departments at your disposal to actually come up with the right product offering uh, to 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 offer this to your um, customers. So in, in in a nutshell, the three, I would say, um, departments, if you wish, or, or, or processes that we really support today are, you know, new product development, uh, consumer intelligence and demand planning. Uh, they find it the most useful, um, again, across the kind of product life cycle, if you wish, or, or like, you know, the, the sales process. Um, and this is, you know, in fact, applicable across across the board. So from CPG to consumer health, to e-commerce businesses, to, to financial services, they're all using these type of signals. And again, I think the one common um, thread among all of the customers that we have and the discussions that we have had is that you know this is all based on on, on human narrative as as you mentioned and and the goal is again to um, see how consumer narrative is representative of interest and demand and how is this translating what is the lead and lag time between this translation um, and and of course to be able to to incorporate this uh, before it it hits the major headlines right before it's common common information that everyone knows and uses. A reminder to our audience that we're speaking to Miro himself, the CEO and president of NWO.AI, a leading AI-based intelligence company. Miro, in today's world of brands and retails uh, environments, they're dealing with an unprecedented level of data, which we've already declared, right? So we'd love to know how this comes together in partnership with you, which is what role can NWO.AI play in harnessing all this data for meaningful signals and demand generation for a brand. And can you also talk to this new world of 1P data that brands are now chasing for precision marketing and what role AI can play in it? AK, I'm trying to understand what does a partnership with NW.AI look like? Yeah, I think I think we need to um, differentiate between you know the purposes and, and kind of the business questions that, that you need uh, to be answered, right? Um, so essentially, you know, the purpose of any data at all, right? Regardless if it's a product, if it's a solution, or you're just analyzing, is really to prove or disprove a hypothesis, right? Um, and you know, if you're really, if you want to be successful, you need to do it fast, right? You need to, you want to be one of the first. So, I think you know when you mention like first-party data, of course, it's been driven by security um, um, measures, which you know I as a consumer find you know appealing. I mean, I I like to be you know, a little bit more anonymous and unpredictable. I like to think I'm unpredictable. Um, although, you know, given the business that I'm in, <laughs> you know, we can we can kind of dispute that. But of course, first party data is, is uh, giving a lot of insight about how your customers um, interact with you, right? And, and you can learn from these interactions and you can use that information to create more meaningful campaigns, for example, right? Um, or simply to improve your processes. And I think if you think about, you know, most of most of um, I would say the brands today, right? Um, and this is what we what we always see is that they're using predominantly backwards-looking data and transactional data, right? To that is generated through their own channels. And don't get me wrong, I, I really like first-party data, but again, you're kind of, you know, going into the in, you know, into the bias of what you see is all there is, right? This this creates like this big echo chamber because, you know, these are already your customers. They're already, you know, on your website. They're interacting with you. They're in the store, right? So they somehow manage the way to to find you, right? Um, but what about, you know, 
on the other hand, like if you think about the massive amount of, of, of data that is being generated, not only from your customers, right, but from pretty much everyone else, right, on, 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 on the internet right now and also offline, it's just impossible to stay on top of it, right? And, and you most, mostly um, you're kind of blind to it all, right? So you, you don't have the time, you don't have the capability. So, you know, this basically hasn't happened in your world, right? You're, you're, you don't want to think about it. Um, yeah, I think this is a massive repository, right, that, that you can use to actually guide your business decisions. And it, I think it's largely untapped as a, as a source today, right? And, you know, there are many reasons why, and, you know, we can go into details. Of course, one is like, okay, you don't, uh, you, everyone operates with limited resources or time, right, um, and, and capability. So you need to prioritize, obviously. And because business has been running successfully so far, you're like, well, you know, I haven't used that so far. And look at me, I'm like, you know, 25 billion companies. So maybe I can postpone this for, with five years too, right? Um, but I think, you know, we're now, um, you know, thanks to, 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 to COVID in a way, right? Everything is accelerated, right? So there are a lot of challenging brands, micro brands that are eating your own performance and that are connecting just better with, with your consumer, right? Um, and which is natural. Um, you know, they're serving very specific niche. They understand the needs and the motivations of, 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 of this niche and, and they're just, you know, faster than you. Um, so let me give you an example. Um, Imagine all of this information being neatly organized and analyzed by, by AI, right? And, and you as a business executive, it's what it means to you is that, okay, it's turned into actionable metrics and intelligence that you can actually use, right? That, that, that speak to you without, for, you know, the need for you to be a PhD in mathematics, right? Um, and without the need for you to go back to IT and say, look, give me exactly this report. Because the thing is, at this point, you don't know what you're looking for, right? Um, so you're looking at, you know, various different signals that you can connect based on your unique knowledge. And, and industry experience that you can actually get and and, and, and take this and, and move forward. So then the second piece is the speed and accuracy that, that you need, right, um, in your daily business to be able to do so. Now, if I can tell you, for example, that um, hard seltzer is going to have, uh, you know, kind of a flimsy summer, right, and I can tell you right now, right, you'll be like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> um, and for example, these are some of the things that we're we're quantifying and analyzing, um, and we can do that in in about sixty seconds, right? Now, this gives you um, the knowledge. Okay, you know these guys are saying that based on the data that they have and based on the conversation that they analyzed, you know, sensor is going to kind of you know um, uh, fade out as a, as a trend, or at least be you know not not have like a higher peak compared to twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Then I need to understand why, right? Is 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 there a new brand? Is there something new? Is like a new darling on the market that everyone is talking about? And these are the things that that that, that we can address, right? But the thing is, you can't do these type of analysis fast today, right? Without the use of of really, you know, the, the AI that we've been talking. It's just again, it's just so big, right? And the thing is, you need to do it very quickly. And you want to do it before you actually invest a lot of money and time into creating this massive market research um, um, analysis to, to share with your organization. Um, and I can give you one, one last example. Say that you want to push as a company, let's say, uh, plant-based alternatives, right, to dairy milk now. I mean, okay, let's say you want to push oat milk, for example. Um, wouldn't it be helpful for you to see how strong the consumer signal is across the various different channels, right, a unified score? that will tell you, okay, you know what, we see a consumer um, seasonality in terms of their own demand, right? That is not based on on how much you sold, right? That it's just based on like when they like to buy this and, and basically what are the drivers. And then you can see a projection for the next 12 months. And then drilling down, for example, that I can tell you, you know what, the demand for old milk is actually being driven by um, pumpkin spice latte, right? Because Starbucks is pushing this. 
and and not so much for the pistachio thing, for example, right? Um, and I can give you perspective. Um, so I think you know these type of um, analytics and analysis are kind of pretty rare right now on 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 the market. I think really going forward, this is something that would really give an edge uh, to many um, companies out there. And Peter, we got the best definition we have of why to use AI ever in the CPG guys, which is get answers to questions you didn't even know without having to be a mathematician and without having to go to IT to ask for every single report because it will auto-generate. What do you think, Peter? Well, I'm uh, absolutely fascinated by this, Sri. As you know, I would be given my data background. So let's stay on this data theme. And you made reference to the fact that there are internal data sources, but there are also a lot of external data sources, right? Syndicated data, macroeconomic data, another one that you mentioned, which is product reviews or user-generated content. All of these are like, they're just massive sources of data. And the big challenge is just, how do you make sense of all that with AI without having to boil the ocean so that a product manager can actually make coherent thoughtful decisions with all this data because it's just you're overloaded all the time it just seems sometimes to be very overwhelming it is um and you know with with, with what i see um as a kind of best practice is of course to think in time horizons right so again as we mentioned like now next in you and and basically you know you kind of box it in a way right you, you frame your questions better or problems that you want to address and based on that you basically choose the data sources or or, or analysis that you want to use right um so for example you mentioned the internal data so i think that's a really good um in you know place to start when when you're trying to understand okay what is your performance what is your for example using a combination of own sales with syndicated data would give you let's say how much you sold from product a what costs where and ultimately what is the share of wallets um that you have currently right um which is which is great but if you use this type of data to actually now help a brand manager or product manager say well what should i be developing next like you just you just can't right you can look at okay these are like more pro portfolios i can think about derivatives right but this will not not tell you, hey, you know what? Customers actually are going, let's say, now for soy milk, right? <laughs> Instead of milk, right? It will not answer that. Um, and sometimes, as you mentioned, Peter, it's it's just you have so much to do, right? And and there is so little time. And we all know this that you know you have this question that you always ask, like, you know what? If I only had a little bit more time, I would have done this, or I would have predicted this, or I would have seen this. But you don't, right? And this is basically uh, again why most of the companies are turning to to ai you know if you if like if you kind of um really you know dissect this in the way it's like you're giving time back to people right essential time that you can use and now you know to go back on on the data um question like internal versus external like when to use what i would say again if you're thinking about like horizons that you know like next and new right which you know you can argue depending on your organization what what next is like is it like one to three years is it three to five and and what is new but if you think about in these two let's say time segments uh then again you need to use different totally different data sources right so if you're looking at what is let's say in going to come in the next, let's say five to 10 years, you probably should be looking at scientific literature, any type of fringe sources, right? Um, you should be looking at VC investments, for example, right? Well, what are they investing in? Is it, let's say, I don't know, some new biochemical, whatever, right? That will bring the change um, 
and you need to you need to basically measure this right and and right now there is just no one place where you can combine all of these right to produce actually a, a signal to actually tell you okay you know what this is actually heating up i should start looking at this more more carefully uh and you know for me personally um and and for what we do you know the, the second and third um, um or mixed in new categories are, are, are super interesting right and i think again it's it's critical if you want to you want to bring a new product to the market to incorporate like the voice of 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 the consumer right which allows you from one hand side to understand to basically better satisfy their needs that are kind of expressed but also allows you to actually meet needs that they haven't clearly expressed to you yet right um and this is where i think you can use you know the vast pool of of, of external data sources um that are available but as we mentioned already very complex to to, to gather analyze and put into context right um, to, you know, to, to kind and to arrive to, to these type of insights. So Miro, now comes the ultimate question for you, which is, you know, there are many AI providers in this industry. A lot of what you discussed, many providers are also talking about it, right? Uh, so I, I, I really want you to think about why should somebody specifically come to nwo.ai versus anybody else? And even if they came, one of the biggest challenges of an enterprise is democratizing the issue of data across an enterprise, right? What advice would you give for them? And then why should they come to you? So we basically started from the very beginning to, to build a product in a, in, a, in a very different way, right? Um, so I would say that the biggest advantage that we have, um, or two of the biggest advantages that we have is, first of all, um, we're one of the very few players on the market that are actually producing, um, again, actionable signals that are forward-looking in nature, right? So that you actually get a 12-month forecast of where what is the likely possible um, um, future for this specific signal or a trend, right? So that's one. Um, and then the second thing is we are actually analyzing all the data ourselves, right? Which is the second biggest, I would say, um, differentiator because... Now you basically, um, you know, you strip away the need for any company to implement this over 12 months, you know, hire a bunch of consultants, test it, maintain it, and then, you know, people leave and then, you know, what happens with these projects, right? So basically we, we you know, our value prop is super simple. We're like, if you start working with us or if you want to work with us, you can literally start tomorrow, right? You can start as a business user tomorrow. You can use and test these things tomorrow, right? And And then the second step is, okay, let's now integrate this into your, data warehouse into your business process in a more automated way, right? So, you know, if, if I could bring it down to two sentences or two main points, I think those would be it. And for for the second part of the question, which is, you know, the, the data democratization, I think this is this is um, super important, right? Um, I believe making, you know, as, as, a, as a leader now, as, as someone who is also building a company, I believe making informed decision is, 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 not, a, is, not, is not reserved only for the, you know, for the C-level or, or for the, you know, for the management at, at any organization, right? It's not just the top. You, you want to empower people to make better and faster decisions, right? Um, and, you know, not make them wait for like four weeks until something is ready for, you know, for delivery uh, or, kind of, you know, uh, put their uh, a frame around them basically saying, okay, you can only ask these type of questions and, you know, this is like the predefined report for you and this is what you get and that's it, right? Go figure. Um, and I think especially when it comes to, um, you know, data that is, let's say, a little bit more exotic, right? That, that you know, we don't have like a history of analyzing external uh, events for like 200 years, right? I think this is, again, very, very difficult because there is no standard, right? There is just like, if you think about sales, for example, there are, you know, 
bunch of metrics that that you know the entire industry, the entire world has been using, but they're like unified, right? So everyone know you you'll be looking at you know these different sales metrics. You can compare these with with your peers, and you understand immediately where you are. But everyone speaks the same language. Well, it's it's not like this when it comes to, for example, um, um, human narrative, right? So you might look at the data um, and, and an analysis and you take decision A and I look at the same thing and I take decision B, right? So there's just not not like this one or zero where you could say, well, this is the right answer. Or that's the, the right answer, right? Which inherently makes this type of, of, you know, democratization of this type of data very, very difficult, right? Because at the end, you also don't want to confuse people like by, by giving them, you know, access to this. But I personally think that, um, you know, going forward, thanks to technology, um, more and more people in the organization should and will have access, right, to to these type of insights, um, and and I think that's the right way to go. Because in the end of the day, who is to say where is the the next great idea within the company will, will come from, right? Um, and I think you know, uh, kind of equipping people with 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 these type of um, with literally with with more information that is again, you don't need to have a PhD in mathematics to use, right? Something that speaks to you that is relevant to your business, um, and then you know. Allowing them to make um, educated guesses and, and experiments, I think this is where you know the the growth for most of the companies will come going forward. Fantastic, Miro. You know that's a wrap for this episode of decomposing AI into meaningful business applications. So let me remind our audience to check out our partner podcast across the oceans, the Atlantic, FMCG Guys with Daniel and Efrain. How you can find out, all you got to do is go to cpgguys.com and click on the link that says FMCG Guys. And uh, I, of course, now want to also take a minute to remind our audience that this show is shaped by you. How you shape the shows, you tell us what topics to discuss. AI was definitely one of them that keeps repeating itself. And hence, we did this partnership with Miro and NWO.ai. Miro explained why you should talk to them so you can decompose AI into for meaningful business decisions not in the hands of a few, not for IT and not just for executives, but the democratization of actual data from scratch and how it can be used and why, specifically NWO.AI. 190 episodes later, I'll tell you guys, Peter and I are thankful for the 11.7K followers that we have on LinkedIn and how you reach out to us. One way you can continue to shape the show is go to ratethispodcast.com slash guys. Leave us a rating, tell us how we're doing, leave us a review and tell us what changes you like or whether you like the show. Miro, I want to thank you for taking time today and decomposing AI with deep patience and trying to connect it back to everyday business. Of course, all your stuff will be in the LinkedIn pro and your LinkedIn profile in the digital liner notes of this podcast. But thank you, Miro. Thank you, Shri and Peter, for, for having me. It was really great um, talking with you and uh, yeah, happy to be part of the CPG guys. Mr. Peter, what do you think? AI, did we hit the hot topics today? Let me first start by thanking Miro for joining us today on the CPG Guys podcast. As you mentioned, he's been a loyal follower of the podcast for quite some time now. And I think you agree with me, Sri, there's nothing we like more than people who are enthusiastic about learning because ultimately they make the best guests. What resonated with me from this conversation is really the need to democratize data so that the power of its applications are not concentrated with a few technical analysts, but that it can have dramatic impact upon the work for as many people as possible in an organization. And what I heard Miro saying is in order to do that, you need to be able to process big data at scale, but without always boiling the ocean. And additionally, 
don't use data exclusively to look back. Use data to identify signals that are emerging before they scale so that you can seize the opportunity potential and drive what I would call an unfair share of the spoils coming out of that. That is where I believe AI's power really lies. And that's what I liked about the conversation today, Shreep. Yeah, I'm thrilled we're covering uh, AI more and more and more because it is a massive unlock for companies to kind of watch signals early on, as Miro said right up top, as well as get into the depths of how to decompose their results and try to pick up factors that they erstwhile wouldn't have known. That's the power of artificial intelligence and ML, and that's what this episode was about. So I want to thank you, Peter, for doing this week over week with me. You know, 25 years knowing you, it's been a pleasure as we now approach up 200 episodes of the CPG Guys. For our audience, we will catch you soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.